974. This is from Matthew chapter 9, and we're reading from verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Well, I've said, um, used the word um, privileged too many times. Nigel Sargent told me I've said that word far too many times. But it really is a privilege to be here this weekend. Um, it's been a little while since Paul and I were uh, last in, um, uh, in Bishop Hannington. And for it, because it's a place of such deep spiritual heritage for me and the investment in my life... Um, really has, well, it changed my life. Jesus changed my life, but God used this place and the people in this place significantly to transform my life. And, um, and I like to think of the ripple effects from the day that I heard the gospel in 1984, the 20th of March, I remember it really well, sitting in the back over there. Um, the number of people that have heard the gospel as a result since and, and so we like to think in Agape about multiplication, about how we pass on the message of the good news to other people, you know, generation to generation, and how we stand on the shoulders of giants um, uh, missionally uh, with the gospel. And so this place for me standing here is really significant, and I'm sure all say the same we could all tell the same story but it is really wonderful to be here and, and uh, if you're um if you're in ko and i knew your parents i probably have some really good stories for you so um <laughs> see me afterwards uh but uh, but it's wonderful and don't we have good news sometimes the good news is so familiar to us that we lose sight of how good the good news is uh, Matthew 9, the scripture that we've just heard, uh, is a, a, a very familiar passage to most of us, if not all. And um, I find it an inspiration because as we read Matthew 9, we see how Jesus went about the mission. How did Jesus do it? Because however Jesus did it, we are called to follow his example. And so the three things that we pull out of that passage is, well, many things, but three top hallmarks, you like, if you like, the hallmarks of mission. First, that it was, he was proactive. Jesus went to the towns and the villages sharing the good news. He didn't just set up shop and wait for people to come to him. He went. He was proactive. And it sometimes means going out of our way. Being missional means sometimes going out of our way. It's not always convenient for us. It means going out of our way and being proactive and perhaps to uncomfortable places. Secondly, it's transforming news. We should never reduce the gospel to a bunch of ideas or interesting thoughts. The good news, the gospel, is transforming news because it's Jesus who we share It's Jesus who we talk about. It's not just some ideas about Christianity. 
We're sharing Jesus and Jesus transforms people's lives. He is bringing hope and he is, he is our hope and he brings the real answers to real questions in our lives. Jesus is the good news. And thirdly, it brings wholeness. It talks about how Jesus preached and teached uh, and healed. And too often we think of the gospel, sometimes in one way or another, we think about it doing many good things, showing people God's love. Or we think about it as telling people the good news of God's love. But surely it's both. And Jesus demonstrates that to us, doesn't he, in this passage That sometimes, if we're always about the words, people don't experience the love of God in a way that if they see it in action. But if they only see the love of God in action and they don't hear and understand, how will they know to respond? How will they know to respond? So the gospel is holistic. It's word and deed. And Jesus demonstrates that to us. One of the things that we were talking about as well this morning um, uh, was uh, the command that Jesus has for all of us to go. We sometimes think about going being the select few missionaries that get to go on a boat and head over to far-flung um, lands across the world. But actually, the call is for all of us to go. Um, and, and Leslie was talking about this, this idea of where's God calling you? Because it's really just a matter of geography. Um, uh, is it, uh, is it a, a global calling um, uh, to Nepal um, or is it a local calling to down the street to where you work to your, the, the school that you're at at the moment um, the good news or bad news depending on how you look at it is that we are all called to be missionaries mm-hmm. it's just a matter of geography of where God calls us to um, uh, uh, one of the issues that, that, that I have is um, I have these waves of hypocrisy when I have to call myself a missionary um, uh, because most of my life I spend talking to Christians. Um, I rock up at the office and there are a bunch of Christians there. Um, my team are scattered all over the world, so I'm talking on videos with more Christians. And, and sometimes I, I just get this slight twinge that, you know, I really should be talking with people who don't know Jesus quite as much. So um, a, a couple of years ago, I... I uh, talked in a, in, a, in a prayer letter that we, the, that we send out, just about five of the people that I normally meet on my way to work. Uh, actually, quick plug for our prayer letter. Um, there are some people here who have been getting our prayer letter and praying for us for about 30 years now. Uh, thank you very much. Um, if you would like to join this illustrious group, please do come and speak to us afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, but I talked about the, the, the five people I quite often meet. Uh, one of them is Mohammed. Uh, he's our next door neighbour, um, and he's become a really good and close friend uh, mm. to us over the years. Um, we went to their daughter's wedding. We were the only white family amongst 600 people. It was um, the most cross-cultural thing I've ever been to. Um, uh, uh, we share a lot about uh, life and work together. Uh, we celebrate Eid with them at the end of, uh, of Ramadan. Um, and we often tell them that we're praying for them. Uh, a big breakthrough came uh, a little while ago when there was a disaster in Pakistan. And uh, Mohammed came round um, and asked us, not just asked us to pray for him, but asked whether we would get our church to pray for, for him um, and the situation in Pakistan and his relatives that were caught up with it. This idea of a devout Muslim man starting to believe 
um, uh, that uh, the God of the, the Christian um, faith, um, uh, praying to him would have power and effect in a way, um, was just a, a wonderful move forward. So Muhammad I quite often see over the fence. Uh, walking down the road, uh, the guy that I most often bump into is a guy called Stephen. Uh, I most, first met Stephen when I was around in the corner shop. Um, uh, and as I walked in the door, the, the guy who owns the shop stop was, uh, was shouting at him, Stephen, will you stop stacking shelves? I keep telling you, you don't work here. Um, uh, Stephen's quite an interesting fellow. Um, uh, he's very sociable, but really doesn't have, have many friends. Um, uh, uh, and I, I tried for a number of times to get below the surface a little bit more in the things that we talked about. Um, but it was really tricky until one day his cat died. Uh, I didn't know he was a, a, a cat owner. Um, and I was really quite taken about, about how um, just devastated he, he was. Um, not being a cat lover, I was trying to empathize. Uh, but the, the, the thing that it just provided was, was just a real moment of, of opportunity for compassion um, and praying for him in the freezing cold at the bottom of our, our street. Um, but again, it was, it was just that little step forward in terms of my relationship with him. Uh, Joe um, is the place where, truth be told, I used to get my hair cut. But I, well, I've got less hair to cut these days, so I don't get to see Joe quite as, as often. Uh, but I always wave to her when I, when I go past um, her shop. Joe is the center of gossip for the whole of uh, South Birmingham, as far as I can see. Um, she's very cynical about faith and Christianity and church. But she was really taken when the church across the way from her um, uh, started opening up a coffee shop um, uh, where they would give you your tea or coffee if you felt you couldn't afford it. Um, uh, a couple of times I've taken her a cup of coffee across from the, the church and, and brought it to her. Um, uh, Joseph is the, the guy that I most like speaking to. Uh, Joseph uh, uh, runs the ticket office at our local train station. Um, and uh, one of the, the first times I'm, I mentioned to him that, that I was a Christian, um, he said, is that why you're always so, so kind to people when you're waiting in the ticket queue? Which, which is lovely, but ever so slightly intimidating that I'd been watched all this time <laughs> while I was waiting in a, in a, a, in a ticket queue. Um, but I do love going, um, and it's not just an excuse to get into work late, um, I do love going after rush hour so you can actually have a little bit more of a conversation. Joseph started bringing a Bible um, into work and leaving it in the ticket office so he can start reading it when he uh, has quieter periods during the day. The last guy I regularly bump into is Carl. Uh, Carl's my uh, big issue seller. Um, uh, unlike a, a number of the, the, the homeless folk I, I know around Birmingham, Carl's really quite closed uh, uh, about his life and his past um, and, and doesn't really want to talk much about it. The thing I know about Carl is since Costa opened, his, um, uh, his taste in coffee has become more refined. And it's gone from being a coffee white two sugars to latte two sugars. Um, <laughs> we're still uh, try. He, he doesn't like, like to be prayed for, but he's happy for, for me to, to walk away and pray. Um, I've known these folks for a good few years now, and sometimes uh, I get really chewed up that um, the things that I pray for and the things that God is doing just seems all very slow. I want it to happen a lot quicker than, than um, it's happening. And like I say, I feel a little bit of a fake. Um, uh, he, here I am supposed to be a professional missionary, and th there are these people that still seem so far from God. One last story, actually. Um, 
a more recent opportunity that I didn't see coming. Um, at the beginning of, uh, I think we may have mentioned, Leslie and I had a sabbatical at the beginning of the year. And at the beginning of um, the, the sabbatical time, I joined Weight Watchers. Um, uh, I've lost about three stone now. I, I am on target, um, which means it's free as well, which is uh, wonderful when you hit your, hit your target weight. Um, uh, but over the last eight, nine months or so, um, I have grown to really love this community of people. And as I say, I just didn't see it coming at all. Um, uh, there's an incredible level of vulnerability um, by the whole, uh, by, by all the folk that, that turn up there. Um, and an openness about talking about real life and real issues and things that are affecting you. And it, it took me quite a while to, to realize that um, you have to make yourself open and vulnerable just to step through the front door of a Weight Watchers group. Um, it, it's a bit like, you know, the, I'm not comparing it, but the, the Alcoholics Anonymous thing of having to admit that there's something going on in life that you can't do just by yourself and you need others' help um, that opens you up um, in a way. So um, I'm just l- loving the opportunities that this group is, is providing uh, for talking about issues with children, problem, uh, problems with, with parents and care homes that they're, they're going into, um, uh, divorces that are still wreaking havoc through life, um, work and its ups and downs, um, and just finding these unprecedented opportunities to um, pray for, for people um, and quite often pray with people um, in that environment. Hmm. A number of things that Paul just talked about there um, really demonstrate something that's powerful in Matthew, the Matthew passage, which is it says that Jesus had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And really this should characterize how we think about and how we go about mission. It should be with compassion. And compassion is not a weak word. It's a deep, gutsy getting your hands dirty, leaning in with people kind of word. And so Jesus understood the state of the flock. Um, We don't always know what's going on in each other's lives or in the people's lives around us. And it requires us to lean in and to try to understand more of what's going on and to share vulnerably what's going on in our own lives. But often people live quite in certainly the the deepest stuff, the more painful stuff, They live with that in a more um, invisible way often. Um, I've recently become aware of, um, uh, and I think it's important to really be able to lean in and to know people's stories and for them to understand our own stories. I've recently become aware of something you may be very familiar with because it was local to here, but it's um, uh, the waiting wall. Is everyone familiar with the waiting wall? Oh, wow. I thought everyone would know this and I would be not telling you any news. Um, The Waiting Wall was a digital arts um, festival project back in September 2015 where um, some guy, I won't go into the details, I don't remember all the details, set up a wall um, above the the train times um, board in Brighton Station. And above, so the times, departures, arrivals times, there was a board set up where people could send in their confessions. It was a confessional board where people could share their needs and their confessions in a completely anonymous, private way. 
Amazing. And, um, I mean, it's, this has been written about. You can go and look at, look at it. It's absolutely fascinating. Um, it's no longer there. It was just there for a week in 2015. But now it's a website. And if you go onto the internet, that internet thing, and you type <laughs> I in... like a 50-year-old right now. No, there's me. I'm nearly 50. <laughs> um, the Waiting Wall. It's now an online confessional. And it's really powerful. And it's actually really heartbreaking to go and... And people are posting every few seconds as a new message that comes up. And, and they're wide and varied. I took some screenshots, um, because I can do some technical things. I took some screenshots of, of simply the messages that came up. So I didn't filter these. These are the messages that came up as I looked at this site. Uh, so this is the board at Brighton Station. And these are the messages that, um, I, uh, that came up. The biggest mistake of my life is that I, I let people who supposedly love me to convince me that I am useless. I don't know how to move on from my heartbreak, and I'm scared I never will. I often feel different to everyone else, like I was born with the ability to see through the veil that connects our world with the next. I see the truth in all situations and feel your pain daily. I am afraid I will never work again. We live in a world where bombing a country is seen as something good. Do you love me? I'm hurting. I'm lost. That was just a couple of minutes of watching these messages come up. It was a really profound experience, actually, just seeing what's going on in people's lives that maybe nobody else knows about and it's made me think about the fact that we have stories everybody has stories everything's everybody has things going on in their lives but are we prepared to lean in enough with people in such a safe way that they can share with us as we can share with them those things that are going on in our lives that we might not easily tell people that somehow the waiting wall has tapped into something that people are finding somehow helps them. This confessional is somehow helping them. I wonder what you might write if you're inclined to do so. If you went on the waiting wall and you added a message, what you might write, what you may have never told anybody. Where do we find hope? I think this is the thing that broke my heart the most because as I read these messages, obviously I have no idea who these people are. Some of them may even be Christians. But I I thought about the question, where are these people's hope? Where will they find hope? And I longed to meet them personally because when you meet somebody and you listen to their story, something profound happens. Uh, last year, I spent a week in a refugee camp, and uh, it was a, a very affecting experience. It uh, was a very, very difficult experience, um, uh, but it felt like a real privilege to be there. The thing that was most significant about that time was being able to sit with people and hear their stories. But as I heard their stories, they wanted to hear my story, and that was really wonderful it's really good to be able to lean in and to understand that we each have stories. And I think when we think about mission, when we think about the good news 
story is at such a, the center of that. As we hear people's stories, as we share our own stories, at the center of that, people can hear the Jesus story. One thing I want to, um, it's not on the screen. I haven't got my phone. Um, If you're liking that internet thing, you might like to look up something called mystory.me. And uh, mystory.me, you can't see my phone, uh, but if you look it up, is a bunch of stories, in some respects very similar to The Waiting Wall. It's stories of people's lives, things that they've worked through, things that have been difficult in their lives, things that have been good in their lives. But at the center of it, they talk about how Jesus has made the difference. And so I like to think that this is the alternative waiting wall and something you can upload your own story. You can tell your own story. Do read the stories and uh, um, be encouraged. Um, uh, One of the other things that um, uh, we do is uh, um, uh, we... For those of you that are here at lunchtime, you may well have, uh, it, well, you did encounter it as well, is this pack of cards called Solarium. Uh, I've got a set of cards up here for you to have a look at later if you've never encountered them. But again, it's another way of helping people tell their story. It's 50 picture postcards. Um, and one of the things that we do quite, uh, quite often in loads of different circumstances is use these cards to ask people questions about their story. Um, uh, which of these pictures describes their life right now? Which of them describes how they view God? Which of them describes um, what they've experienced spiritually or what they'd like to experience spiritually? And again, this, this idea of connecting with, with other people through your story and through their, their story um, is a great way of leading further into spiritual conversations with people. These are the things that mission's about. Um, uh, we sometimes have pictures in our head of what mission should look like but actually connecting with people over our story and their story and leading to Jesus' story is really what it's about. Hmm. To finish up, um, uh, the thing that we wanted to finish talking about, um, I think when we think about mission and, and, and sharing the gospel, it can feel like a heavy responsibility. We can get sort of tripped up with worrying about, did I say the right thing? Did I ask the right question? And, and I think the thing that's really important as we think about mission is that it's God who transforms lives and not us. It is God that's at work, and it's God that goes ahead of us. The really beautiful thing, I think, about mission is that God doesn't send us out ahead of himself. God has already gone ahead of us, and he invites us in to join in with what he's doing. And when you start to observe and see what God's doing and that he, he's, you've been given the privilege to join in with him, it's such an exciting thing to be a part of. So it shouldn't feel like a heavy burden and a heavy responsibility. We, we say in, in Agape that um, success in evangelism is sharing the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to God. It's the Holy Spirit that's at work, and we leave the results to God. So yes, we sometimes fumble through conversations. We might not have said exactly the right thing, but God is bigger than that, and God is at work uh, pursuing people, and he is including us in that amazing adventure. So when I think when we think about mission... Sometimes we wait too long to share the gospel. Sometimes, uh, actually, those gospel opportunities where people can hear how they can know Jesus themselves, we wait sometimes too long. 
And so being sensitive to the Spirit's leading when that opportunity comes up. But sometimes we're a bit too quick. And actually we're so keen to tell them about Jesus and about the gospel. And that's not a bad thing, don't hear me wrong. But sometimes we just need to have heard a bit more of their story, understand a little bit about themselves and about and help them to understand about our own story in the midst of that. But we do need to have a persevering marathon running kind of view on, uh, on sharing the gospel. It's the stories that Paul was telling earlier about how um, sometimes it takes a long time. Uh, and, and that's okay because it's in God's timing. It's in his hands. It's by his power. Sometimes we might not recognize that God is doing something in someone's life. Sometimes we would like God to do something different to what he's doing in someone's life. But we have to trust God, the sovereign Lord of all, who loves us, who loves people. He is the great shepherd king who is pursuing them. It's for his glory and not ours. We are always ambassadors for Christ. That is what we've been called to be. And we talked about this at lunchtime if you were here, but sometimes it's good to think about a few specific people in your life that you would like to pray for and find opportunities to lean in with them and to share the good news of Jesus. And so on your chairs, we've left some bookmarks that you might want to think of five people that you want to pray for and intentionally look for opportunities to hear more of their story, to share more of your story and find an opportunity to share the Jesus story with them. So let me encourage you to pray for that and, um, and to look for those opportunities that God is already ahead of you providing. Let's pray to finish. Lord God, thank you that you call us into this exciting uh, work of talking about you. Lord, I, I pray for each of us as we, we go into the weeks ahead. Um, Lord, uh, uh, thank you in advance for the conversations that uh, you have already pre- prepared for us to, to have with folk folk that we know, folk that we um, uh, have just bumped into, um, uh, and the completely random, unexpected ones as well. Lord, I thank you that you go ahead. Thank you that you will prepare and equip us. um, And thank you that we can lean on you in these things. Thank you, most of all, Lord, that you you choose to use us in this, and that we have a gospel to tell. Thank you, Lord. Amen.